The following program contains misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech. It also features personalities who have been labeled far-right, semi-fascist, neo-Nazi, fringe, domestic extremists holding unacceptable viewpoints. Any and all calls for justice are to be taken in the context of Minecraft, the game, as are any references to wood chippers, helicopters, or firearms. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA. We do not condone illegal behavior. We do not offer financial, medical, or any other professional advice. All comments are for comedic purposes only. Views expressed within this program do not accurately reflect the views of the corporation or its sponsors. Use only as directed by medical professional. Use of this product may lead to cancer. Other known side effects may include, but are not limited to, hypothermia, heat stroke, sudden adult death syndrome, dizziness, nausea, irritability, cognitive dissonance, confusion, sudden onset dementia and Alzheimer's, winter vagina, erectile dysfunction, transphobia. See pamphlet for more details. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Consume. Obey. Hey everyone, welcome to my Friends Hate Freedom podcast. I'm Bear Snare, and today I'm here with Brian from The Lots Project at thelotsproject.com. Brian has many strategies for living outside the system, and we span many topics in this fun conversation, so enjoy. natural thing I've already got the equipment um, and I'm ending up using more of my music production equipment than what most people use like StreamYard and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah that's it I'm like I feel really uh really inadequate using StreamYard and the <laughs> but it works it works for what I what I needed and when I started that was perfect because I was really limited on data and yeah. um, it was a way to just do one upload every day and it went out to seven different channels and then i downloaded the audio loaded that to my host so it was just basically one video file up and one audio file down and it it saved my data every month gotcha yeah nice so you didn't have to store the data data um yourself it just went straight yeah, to the... Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of up and down, a lot of back and forth, like send it here, download it, upload it, download it. Yeah, yeah. I That's one of the things that's actually kept me away from starting video is um, I don't want to deal with uploading it to all the different accounts. And as long as I'm just <laughs> doing audio on Libsyn, it's just like I upload it there and it automatically goes out to the podcatchers and that keeps it easy, you know. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I do the live every morning and then uh, live on Thursday nights or Monday nights, and then I do a pre-recorded that I that I air live on Thursday nights, and then all of that audio gets uploaded to a to a host and put out to other channels. And I like gotcha. I can't even I can't even quantify my metrics because I don't even know everywhere it's going. Oh yeah. Right. Like I get, I get X amount of views on my live stream in the morning on YouTube and so many on Twitch and well, here was seven on Twitter. 
Um, but were they as people scrolled by or did they stop and watch the whole thing? And now um, now I send out my audio to all sorts of different places and I've started like pulling out segments. So I have a question I do every morning and I pull that segment out and that's got its own feed now. And I take all my interviews and I, I just made free podcast feeds on, on Spotify. I'm like, what the hell? And so I just throw my interview shows are all on one feed. And then all these questions, I just go into StreamYard and clip the segment. Like I do it intentionally in the morning. I say, okay, now it's time for the question. And I pause for 20 seconds and I timestamp it on the table. And then I do it and it's like 10 minutes. And so StreamYard has a clip feature where I just go in and clip it out, download it separate, upload it to the, to the audio streams. It's, I mean... Is it worth the hassle? I don't know. I get I've I've had a couple or a thousand views or a thousand listens yeah. on that. So it's hey, a thousand if, more than if I didn't do it. And if it's your job, if it's like what you're doing for a living or at least as part of it, then that kind of makes it more worth it. For me, it's like yeah, I've oh, got better sure. things to do. And I'm <laughs> I'm very into doing this podcasting thing, but um right now I'm not worried about like trying to make money on it or whatever. I'm just Got it's it. more of a personal goal to do it and and um that's kind of like part of that part of making that happen is just keeping the upload process easy you know for sure, for sure. <laughs> but i well, know people yeah. like live streams and stuff like that apparently those get um those help popularity and stuff so like it wouldn't be i'm not i'm not against getting into that and stuff i just figured i'd start it out easy you know oh for sure oh for sure yeah i um before work every morning and i did it um uh, i got up 45 minutes early i literally was able to do so i started with 50, like 15 minutes was my goal 15 minutes live and then i ended up at some point i was up to like a half an hour but i had to stop in a half an hour because i had to be out the door i didn't actually have to be out the door my job was very flexible and um, I could go in any time before like eight o'clock. And so I figured out, though, that if I started at six, I could be done at two. So I wanted to leave by six. So I would do the po- or seven. So I would do the podcast and have everything done in an hour, like do it, record it, download it, do all the show notes and upload it in an hour. And I would do that right before I went to work and then out the door, download it on the podcatcher when i was uh in the driveway and then listen to myself the first 15 minutes of the drive yeah yeah i found that listening to myself is um it's a good experience Hard. it's it's sometimes <laughs> yeah very a little bit humiliating i guess um but it's also good for learning like laughing at my own jokes is one thing that i noticed i do a lot and it's like man I, like so you know you notice the little things you're not doing quite right and that therefore it's worth <laughs> listening back and and learning how to do it better you know <laughs> oh for sure you're, also you're listening your own on faster critic, speed though, also sure. makes listening at like smart speed and faster speeds makes me sound better too as and so like i like that <laughs> so there's right there's the the not so uh not so confidence building aspects of it but then there's also aspects of it that are like yeah it's really not bad overall right <laughs> right 
Oh, so yeah, it's it's interesting. It's um, it's interesting growing at it. I was having a conversation with um, with another podcaster the other night, and we've kind of grown together. And I I was like, I sent him an interview I did. I said, dude, you got to listen to this. I, this was probably one of my best interviews I've done. And I was like, it, it just, it was easy. It felt easy. Um, I mean, happened to be the guy was a, had just written a book on communication. So, I mean, I'd hope it'd be easy. <laughs> but, uh, but it was like one of those interviews, like I didn't even write any questions down. Like I usually write questions down if I don't know the person or know anything about them. Cause I'm getting a lot of guests from like um, pod services. And uh-huh. so I'm just interviewing interesting people that I don't know about. So, you know, I'll kind of poke into their background and, and have a couple of key questions um, or they provide them on a lot of the, the lists that I'm getting. What do you mean you're but, getting them from pod services? Um, I, so uh, one of the things I use is Podmatch is, uh, is a service that I pay, I think it's six bucks a month for, and I get, um, uh, guest applicants sent to me like four times a day huh. and it does, they have like a whole scheduling back, uh, backside, you like have an office, a dashboard that you do all your scheduling through there and messaging. And then like the guests have to fill out a profile. And so, like, right. one of the profile thing is, like, what are questions you're prepared to always answer? What uh, what topic do you want to talk about? So, basically, depending on the package you pay for, you get them every four hours or whatever. So, you know, every four hours or eight hours or whenever I got around to, I just go on there and I look at my matches and, oh, that'd be a cool person to talk to. Well, I'll copy and paste those questions over. So, like, I match up with them. Like, I'm booked out right now um, in May. Wow. So if I match up, if I match up with somebody, um, I, I do their show notes. I make a thumbnail whenever I can between now and then. But there's no chance that like on a Thursday afternoon, if it's a pre-recorded one, I'm going to remember what the why the hell I wanted to interview this person. So I have these these um, I have these uh, questions. Well, this guy, I didn't even have any questions. I like read his background. I'm like, all right, I'll just I'll just go with this one. And it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. And he said the same thing. He's like, man, it just sounds different. It sounds like you've changed. Um, your interviewing has gotten better. And I said, I don't know what it was, but like a couple of weeks ago, it just felt like it got easier. Hmm. Like, And it was nothing intentional. It was nothing that I did. But there was just one morning I was doing my show and I started I don't know if it was a different cadence in my voice or in my head or the thoughts were flowing different. Um, it's just gotten easier in the last couple of weeks. It's the only, it's the only term. It's not easier. Wow. It is not even the term and you've been for doing it, it for a long time now, right? Like over a year, every day, pretty much. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I've got, so I've got, um, what do I got? 379. It'll be 380 episodes of my show this week. Plus, um, Plus countless other like the after party and I do lightning for Liberty with Josh. Um, I go on other people's shows quite often and, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm on the, I'm on the internet a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, 
I wanted to ask you, you guys had a 30 acre homestead and you sold it off and now you're living in a mobile home, like a yeah, yeah, camper. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. To me, that sounds opposite. Like I would want the 30 acre homestead. I'm... Yeah, um, we had it pretty well set up if it was in a different state um, and a different grow zone. Okay, um, I guess Minnesota gets a lot of snow, hard winters, huh? Well, it was a lot of snow and it was a long winter and I mean it was zone three B. Mm. So, you know, you can't grow a whole lot of shit. Um we when we when we decided we were leaving, we were looking at kind of like different places we wanted to go and we looked at like Tennessee and it's like, okay, so this is grow zone six seven. How many what's the like what's the f- average first or first frost or last frost in first di- first states? They had ninety uh, ninety more days of growing possibility yeah wow 90 the like that's a third of a year more to get your shit done to take care of yourself in 90 less days of not growing in the winter yeah yeah i'm in pa so i don't think of minnesota like right off the bat as being that different but that really is different that's that's a yeah. huge difference and i worked outside i'm like i had a i had a job where i worked outside all day um, all winter, I'd be out in negative 30, negative 20, negative 10 Jeez. with wind and yeah. snow. And and it was just, it, it, it was so hard to do the shit. And people do it there. Like, I'm not saying that So you it can't were still working a normal job as well as homesteading. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I worked um, a minimum of 40 hours every, every week from the time we bought that till the time we sold it. And uh, did the farm on the side. And we did the farm, like, we did hundreds of chickens and and uh, quail and meat birds, like pastured meat birds and meat turkeys and uh, rabbits and big old garden. And I had a huge comfrey business and yeah. I just I sold it because I was standing in the field in October and I was moving a turkey tractor and, you know, it wasn't Thanksgiving. I had turkeys that I was selling for a hundred dollars or more a piece. They were pasture raised, Holy no, cow. no corn, no soy, um, pasture raised turkeys that I moved twice a day for fucking like seven months <laughs> or four months or whatever it was, uh, get them 4th of July and, and, and slaughter them in November. So twice a day for that long. Um, so yeah, they were like a hundred bucks or more a piece or significant sized turkeys. Well, I'm here in, in October, and we got like 18 inches of snow in October. Man. And I got these turkeys in these tractors out in the field. And I can't move the tractors because there's so much snow. Right. And so I was moving them twice a day and it was getting messy because they were getting big. Like they only had a few more weeks to finish out. And I'm like, what the hell do I do now? Like I had to bring out pine chips every day in the snow in the four wheeler, get the four wheeler stuck in 18 inches of snow all the way out to the back of the field. (laughs) Cause of course it's like the end of the season. So they're as far away from the gate as you can get out in the pasture. And I'm like hauling wood chips out there going in there. And these birds, like I stuff the tractors. Like I was very humane to my animals. I wasn't like, that was our MO was like, it wasn't too, too crowded. It was too crowded for me when they were ready to be slaughtered so it wasn't quite that bad yet but we were getting close it was a lot of shit in that little area mm-hmm. and it took it took uh two days for it to melt away 
I'm not saying it didn't melt away. It wasn't like we got snow and it was there for good. Right. But like, I can't do that. I got to be able to give a tur- a customer a turkey that that's that quality fresh. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I'm only selling ten of them. I mean, like, really, I can't I can't hand deliver ten turkeys that are that high quality, so, and you're paying me that much money. So there was a moment, and that was it. The moment. Was oh yeah, I lost it. it. I was clicked, I was standing was out like, there the next this. day in the snow, and I just like <laughs> lost my shit. And I walked inside and I told my wife, I was like, hey, I got to, we got to go. I can't do this shit anymore. And she looked at me, she's like, yeah, I've been thinking about that too. (laughs) So, wow. So it was, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was perfect. And it was a hard decision. And it was in 2019, we decided. 2019. Yeah. Wow. 2019. So we hadn't hit the the covids yeah the, uh, the covid wasn't a thing the world's screwy but the world's been screwy for a really long time and we decided we were going to sell our homestead we had a lot to do we were gonna go and move to idaho and buy a piece of raw land and uh get rid of all the type one mistakes that were made on the farm we bought because we bought a pre we bought an old farm and right. we did it so there were a lot of type one errors there. Like the chicken coop flooded every year because they put it at the bottom of a fucking hill. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to deal with that shit and I know better. So let's sell this. Let's take the money from this. We'll buy a piece of property bought low. Like we bought, we've been really lucky in real estate. Um, our first house we bought together, we did very well on in a short period of time because we took a chance. Um, the farm we took over a year to find and we got a really good deal on it and immediately had, um, equity. Uh, it was, it's just been, we've gotten lucky and made, made moves when we needed to, even though they didn't make sense sometimes. Yeah, I guess. Um, and so we were like, okay, well, we'll fix up the farm. We were like, it was a working homestead. We were not an Instagram homestead. I'll tell you that. Like we had shit everywhere. Um, like I said, I was working 40 hours a week. My wife was working full time. We had all the shit going on. <coughs> no, excuse me. So you, you get done what you can get done. And especially in Minnesota, when it's balls to the wall for five months, when it snows, everything's where it's at. And you don't know if you'll see it again until March. Yeah. Because if it snows in November, it might not melt. Like, so you rush around, rush around, get everything fixed that you didn't quite get fixed in the fall in the spring and then you're behind and you're behind all summer it's just a it's a vicious cycle because it's such a short cycle that you can do shit yeah yeah so yeah it sounds like you had a lot of animals to deal with for not (laughs) considering you weren't doing it specifically for a living at that time like it's a lot of extra work oh yeah dude oh i would um we would (laughs) yeah my wife and i we non-stop non-stop all the time um from the time you get up you're doing chores in the morning we we would really streamline things and our kind of mo with animals was we'd get them we'd learn how to do them so we the first time we got laying hens we got 15 laying hens and we figured it out and then the next time we ordered we ordered 50 yeah and then the time after that we ordered 75 right and by that time we were hatching our own yeah and already had meat birds but we learned how to do it and then we learned how to do it efficient efficiently 
And then we figured out how many of that animal we could get in that time frame. So if I have to go down and change water, how many birds can I change water for at the same time? If I have to fill feed, if I got to fill feed for 15, how long, how much, how many birds can I fill feed for in the same amount of time as it's going to take me for 15? Right. So if I can do it for 15 and I can do it for 50 at the same time, why don't I have 50? Yeah. Cause that's yeah. just giving me more eggs. Well, it kind of works like that because then you have the other shit you have to do. Right. But yeah. That was, that was our workflow. And then the other shit like worked in on the back end, And that was our limiting factor was like processing the eggs or doing this or that. Like, it was maximizing our time by just doing multiple of the same thing at the same yeah. time. Well, and if you're using hopper feeders, then it's more not more a matter of how often you have to do it than yeah. how many you can feed at once. Well, right. Yeah. And then, but the winter gets really hard in Minnesota with water. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any heated buildings that we had. Actually, I take that back. When we did quail, um, I put them in the garage. I insulated the garage and I put a, a propane. I got an ex, an extra propane tank um, separate for the garage. And I had a, a propane heater in there and I kept it at like 60 degrees for the quail all winter. Nice. But uh, everything else was outside in the cold. And so water... Uh, we had, we had, up, up, well, we, we scaled back in the winter for rabbits, but we had probably 30 rabbits or 35 rabbits in the winter and in the dead of winter, literally from the time you got the water bottle from the house to the barn, the ball had already frozen in the stem, the little metal balls that, you know, they're like hamster water oh, yeah, ball yeah. feeders, the ball had already frozen there. So we would we would walk around to the cage and you'd have your hands and you didn't have your gloves on so your hands were warm enough and you would hold the stem to warm it up enough to get the ball (laughs) to break free and then put it in the cage real quick and all the rabbits would run over and click on the thing and as long as it was moving they could get water so they drink a shitload of water and then a few hours later we come down and do the whole shit again oh man and the thing in Minnesota, man, you you like dream about spring all winter. You dream about spring and you get so many false springs like mm-hmm. where it'll get kind of warm and then it get cold again for like months. Um, and there's a one day when we did rabbits that we looked forward to every year. And it was the day that you changed water, all the water bottles in the rabbitry. And you didn't hear anything. Because that meant the water bottles didn't freeze overnight and the bucking rabbits weren't thirsty. <laughs> huh. Because every day, all winter, you'd change those things and then you'd do, like, I would do water first and then do feed later. And I would, because the water bottles would freeze up. So you'd want to get them on there as fast as possible and then do feed. And every day you change those water bottles and it was tink, 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 like 40 water bottles all at the same time. And then one day, they just wouldn't freeze overnight and you'd change the water bottles and it'd be silent. And you're like, yes, spring is here. <laughs> so not that you even care now, but um, what I did for our quail was I put a heating element into the water to keep oh, yeah. the water warm yeah. all winter. And then well, I didn't have the to worry electricity about electricity situation in my barn and um, in the chicken 
where I had the chickens was was interesting. I actually engineered a chicken watering system and I was talking to a guy at like a rural king or it was a local one. It was regional. Um, but I was talking to him about these automatic water cup dispensers. And so what it was is like you could it was low pressure or high pressure. It had a regulator on it. And so you could you could hook a hose up to it and it would regulate the pressure so that it wouldn't blow out the little cups and they could. And so I'm like, all right. And I said to the guy, I was like, so what water pressure does this have to be at? So my background for like work and stuff is I was um, like a technical lead, a control room operator. Um, I worked on gas pumps for a long time. Like I was maintenance, like so kind of uh, figure it out type of shit. Uh-huh. And uh, so the idea I was going to take a gravity feed, I was asking him what the lowest pressure to trigger this, this pressure regulator was. And my idea was I was to put a gravity feed um, water line in, but put a pump on the outlet and then put a stock heater in the 55 gallon barrel. So it would then recirculate because it was now pressurized line back up into the top and gravity feed huh. back down. And I was going to put this stock heater in it. And I f- was figuring um, that I could heat the water enough with a big enough stock heater and a 55 gallon drum to keep the water warm enough in the circulation loop to not freeze. Yeah. And it worked until it got below negative 15. Negative 15 degrees. I was good. Do you know how much Which of the winter that got me through? It's pretty low. Negative 15 like is December. pretty low. That's got to be the majority of the winter, right? No, that got me to like the middle of December and oh. overnight lows. <laughs> yeah, for us so in Pennsylvania, January, I never see January, that. January, February, like it worked. It worked. And I was like testing it because I'm yeah, like I do the thing and then I test it and test it and test, test it and adjust it. And I'm watching it and I'm watching the temperatures. And it was doing great. And then it went below negative 15 for an overnight low. And I came down the next morning and it froze solid. Man. It just couldn't keep up. It and couldn't then keep you've up. got like a hose going and uh, all kinds of things that are frozen in with it. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Well, it wasn't running water. I didn't have running water down there. So I was I was transporting the water in five gallon buckets all over the place. We only had so we had two wells. We had one that fed the house, and then we had a auxiliary well that was for animals, and uh, that got shut down in the winter because it was outside. There was no well house around it. It was basically just um, it was a motor on a pump well, so I just huh. plug it into plug it into extension cord, and it would run the pump. Yeah. Um. So basically, all winter we ran our house well water um, in the bathtub filled five gallon buckets and hauled them outside or filled the rabbit water bottles in the kitchen sink and took them down to the barn, which was, I don't know, like 60, 70 feet down the hill. <laughs> it sucked. It sucked, dude. Like, like I said, like type one errors out the, out the asshole. Like yeah. the whole was just a, it was a doing it by hand homesteaders nightmare the way it was set up. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't help cause I contributed to some of the shit. Like I was stupid enough to put a, a huge raised bed garden trellis into a huge hill. And when I had a perfectly level spot in the sun to put it, oh. <laughs> cause yeah. it was going to look cool, man. It was really going to look cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. 
So, yeah. so as far as uh, your your change in lifestyle, what are the advantages and disadvantages of of <laughs> mobile living versus that? By the way, it sounds like you could have used a snowmobile. <laughs> oh, dude! For moving um, that turkey tractor, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we had. I mean, we had we had a couple four wheelers. Um, if we had ever stayed there long term, we would have probably put just tracks on one of our four wheelers instead of yeah. a snowmobile. We didn't do much recreational stuff. We had, we owned two brand new four wheelers for seven years and never took them off the property. Like oh, wow. was, we didn't, we didn't, we had, a, we had, we had a trail. Um, you could access the trail. We actually had a hip camp where we had people stay and, and take their, um, their quads over to the trail. Uh, they didn't even have to go on paved road. And, um, it was, it was like, we never went there. The, the trail went from like Duluth, Minnesota, all the way across the state. And it was less than a mile from our house. And we never even, we walked the dogs on it every once in a while, but we never took the four wheelers. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> um, so the advantages of mobile living, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm experiencing a lot of shit. I'm seeing a lot of shit, meeting a lot of people. Um, there's a goal to this. Like we, we aren't just wandering aimlessly uh, with no end goal in mind. Uh, but we're, we're really experiencing different places in the country at different times. Um, we're evaluating where we want property. We're evaluating how people do things in different places and we're networking and, and meeting a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Enjoy it while you're doing it. Cause you're probably, well, yeah. you're, you're eventually looking for another place to buy. Right. And this is sort of figuring well, out what you want to do yeah yeah and no um we our goal right now we've kind of set is we want to buy one property um smaller we don't want we don't want to go yeah maybe eventually but right now we don't want to go big um like we had we're looking more in the two to ten ish at the most two to five more acres um but raw uh, if it needs to be uh, just undeveloped, nothing, no power, no water. We don't need that. I set my camper up to do that. Like I can, we spend all winter in Texas in a field, like in an old watermelon field. Like huh. we don't need, we don't need electric or, or uh, we just need some place to access water um, and some place to get propane. Use all solar. I got solar and then I got a, a, a generator that runs off propane and okay. um, yeah. Dude, you know what I want to get? I'm seriously considering buying one because um, there's a company that makes gasifiers for generators. Yeah. I want to yeah. gasify. I, I did a lot of research into gasifiers. I, that control room job I told you about was actually in a, um, in a um, startup company that was turning waste plastic into synthetic crude oil through gasification. Really? Yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy shit. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, huh. I was employee number seven or something like that. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, well, no, that was just my employee number because there were no employees uh, when I got a there. Real like small company. Well, it didn't end up. I mean, it ended up pretty big, but um, it was just when I say startup, I was interviewed by the vendor of uh like the people that were installing the equipment not even i did talk to somebody that actually worked for the company that i worked for but like they just there was no people like there was an hr lady a ceo a cfo a cto 
and a plant manager. And then they were hiring. And I was right. like the, the second person hired in that initial hiring of the whole company. So as I'm thinking about it, that's got to be significantly different than wood gasification because you're uh, using different materials. Not necessarily. It's it's basically changing the state of a, a solid into a gas and then recondensing it. Well, depends on what you want to burn it as. If you want to burn it as wood gas as a, as a vapor, um, yeah, if you want to condense it back, we condensed it back into a liquid at the end. Right. That's the only difference. Right. So we we turned it into gas, but we also did burn off a lot of the uh, a lot of the product in 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 a flare. Um, we caught a lot of it in a really light and uh, condensing process that basically we could have burned it as fuel but we just weren't there yet uh-huh. we were eventually going to be a self-sustaining um self-sustaining as in as long as we had plastic feedstock we weren't going to have to um pay electric we were going mm. to be able to use our 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 off gas stream to power a generator like a wood right. gasifier and then get the the byproducts of the synthetic crude oil and then the white end condensate, which was like kind of naphtha or jet fuel kind of grade. Okay, nice. But yeah, that so it didn't really pan out for them. No Bitcoin but, mining, though, as part of that flare use. <laughs> um, this was in like, so funny story, my Bitcoin wish I would have moment was actually sitting in the controller room of that uh, of that place. And uh, Buddy sent me a, a, a an email, and this was in uh, oh about twenty twelve ish, twenty thirteen. Says, dude, you gotta you gotta check this shit out. Um, he's like, you want me to throw a hundred on it for you, and you just pay me? And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm super fucking poor right now. Let me check and see if I can figure out where to where to find a hundred dollars. And I never did it. Yeah man i mean <laughs> it's the wish you, you would have should you never know you know i well, i didn't right. get into I mean, bitcoin until i, I wouldn't even have known how to how to do any like it would have probably been a hundred dollars that he would have just like lost lost the paper wallet or you know it would have been yeah. one of those lost bitcoin yeah. or multiple bitcoins it was it would have ended up been like seven or eight bitcoin or something i can't remember what it was from the price but i actually found the note years later when we were minimizing to move into the camper, like we were hauling through all sorts of shit. And as a technician and a, and a maintenance guy, like I keep notes on fuck everything, like every idea that pours out of my head or notes on fixing shit. Or when I unwire something, I'll make notes. I was like, yeah. notebooks full of stuff. So I would just store them for no particular reason, other than the fact that I had space for them, but I was getting rid of them all. And part of that was, you know, like, going through the motions of why did i keep this shit so i was like flipping through flipping through some of these notebooks and i actually saw some um, budget numbers with a hundred dollars circled with it says bitcoin next to it and i was like <laughs> i was like are you, are you kidding me one last time and that shit went in the garbage but yeah it was it was it that'd was be, what it was it'd be a hefty <laughs> chunk of change now Dude, the same guy also gave me gave me the opportunity, the lucky opportunity to buy a couple hundred dollars worth of Iraqi dinar when he was in the military. Um, that still is worth like a hundred and seven dollars and and some change. And uh, I, there, I'd have to fly to Iraq to exchange it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, when he says he's gonna give 
Bitcoin in 2012. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I hear it. Is, it is uh, what it is. I'm I'm not super technical. Um, <laughs> at least as far as computers go, like I'm pretty good with mechanics, engineering kind of stuff. But um, it it took Jack Spierko really spelling it out simply. Uh of like you just go to coinbase and create an account and it's just like creating any other account and then you can get so like it, it took him describing it a number of times so clearly that in 2020 when i was laid off from my job i the finally yeah i finally was like you know what it's time to learn how to do this and it really you know it doesn't take that much um yeah well, that, I put that out there, too, was, you know, I taught myself how to do it. I, I should have done it then. I would be a lot more knowledgeable now. But I think it was probably 2018-ish when I started actually looking at it. Um, I don't think I bought until maybe late 2018, 2019. But I taught myself how to do it all, and then I made an ebook. I just wrote out the instructions and oh. how to do it. And it's not for anybody that owns crypto already. Um, you already know how to do everything in it. Right. Uh, maybe maybe some of the wallet stuff or something like that, but it's five bucks. It's yeah. like, um, I put it out there. Actually, it's five bucks on Amazon, I think, on Kindle. It's five bucks on my website. And I'm pretty sure it might still be up where you, if you put your email address in on some page on my site, you actually get the PDF emailed to you. I was like, I just want people to learn this shit, but if somebody's willing to pay for it, I mean, I loaded it with all my wallet affiliate links and all that shit. It wasn't like altruistic. I like I wasn't just the, <laughs> hey, here's all this information. But uh, yeah, it it's pretty like layman. It is, and I do consulting the same way. Like if you want me to walk you through doing it, I'm more than willing to do it. But I, you know, here's my calendar. Sign up. I'll I'll. But you're gonna have to compensate me for it. Like right here, it's five dollars or it's. $30 for a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was realizing that I don't have to understand the coding of it and all the <laughs> yeah. inner, like, how the blockchain actually works, all that. It's more that I can do normal things that I'm used to doing and still use it without quite understanding that. And once I had heard enough people who I kind of trust talking about it and talking yeah. about um, how it works, I can understand the mechanics of it without being a coder <laughs> yeah oh for sure for sure um and lightning really um lightning protocol is going to take away all the obstacles i guess is the way to put it like the usable the usability of bitcoin just changed with well not just in the last few years with lightning and being able to the 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 how am i going to buy a soda at the at the grocery store with bitcoin like what am right. i going to do like bring my computer with me <laughs> no you're going to you're going to scan a qr code on the on the counter and it's going to pay it out of your bitcoin wallet and the guy's going to get cash or bitcoin if he wants it if he's smart but yeah. you know like it just it, it erased all the reasons not to use it. Yeah, having having it. the quick, easy interface between cash and Bitcoin is extremely useful. And of course, you know, reducing the fee and uh, upping the speed. Um, makes I try it I try not to more. buy it and I try not to sell it. 
Yeah. How's that? That's cool. <laughs> I, I, I try to make it, I try to make it as much as I can for good services or whatever. I try to accumulate it and then I try not to sell it. Um, and yeah, any way possible, any yeah. way possible. I'm just, sta- I'm stacking more than I'm getting rid of. And I'm trying to convert as much fiat into Bitcoin uh, as I can. Well, that is buying I, it then, right? Well, no, I'm no, I'm saying I'm buying it. Um, I'm I'm trying not to buy it with my fiat. I'm okay. trying to buy it with other people's like fiat. Business funds, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, not necessarily business funds. Like, so here's here's a example. So. Uh, I sell mugs and stuff online. I use Printify. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I make designs or whatever, whatever. I put t-shirts. I started yeah, doing it. You just it did from... one with your Noster key, right? Yeah, I did that. I did uh, one with the Bitcoin, Bitcoin supply formula that's been doing pretty good. Um, and so I just stick around with that and I'll put them on like my website and I'll throw them around online. Well, the way the fulfillment process works with, with Printify is um, I pay it up front. So I, I pay out of my bank account or my credit card for the, the wholesale price of the item plus the shipping. And then say it was sold through my website, I got paid the retail price plus whatever shipping I charge or whatever I charge, I got paid into my bank account. So theoretically it's actually two transactions. Right. Well, I have the ability to go into my Printify account and order like do a one-off order. Say I was at a, a festival or something and somebody wanted to order my shit. I can go in and manually put in a one-off order. Well, that comes out of my bank account for fiat. So if I sell a mug online for crypto, theoretically, I would have to take some of that crypto and sell it to pay my half of the bill because it's not coming into the bank account anymore. But I also have my Amazon affiliates sales coming into that account that'll cover that fulfillment order. I also have like my Etsy sales when I sell comfrey roots and stuff like that, that's coming into that account. So if I can keep my sales of fiat above my sales of, or my, uh, my cost on my, my, uh, crypto sales, I never have to sell any of the crypto to pay the bill. Yeah. 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 I've (laughs) I've definitely mostly just bought crypto and, I've used it to buy things once in a while, but I've always bought it at the same time as spending yeah. it. Therefore, I'm not creating like a tax event. Yeah, you know, yeah, try, for sure. I try that's, not um, to do that because that's... I, I, I keep a lot of separate accounts for yeah. different shit. <laughs> like, yeah, if I know I have to buy something with crypto, it, yeah. And I like to yeah. do it, you know, with, within our communities and stuff. <laughs> like if I'm going to buy a ticket to one of Nicole's events or for Jack's membership or something like that, like I'm going to, I'm going to do Bitcoin because I know they like it and it's cool to just like keep that thing Absolutely. going, you know, for it's, it's cool to, to make that network stronger 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, uh, you join you you signed up on Noster, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't done much with it. I haven't been able to put a whole lot of time in, and and yeah, a lot of it's been banging my head against a wall. <laughs> so I I need to definitely watch some more videos and stuff and get some stuff going. It's but uh, yeah, it's, I, at it's, least it's I got my lightning going and um was able to send some boosts around or whatever you know so like i haven't gone anywhere but snort so yeah. far as far as like the social goes and alby and then just trying to get those things work and i added a few relays but maybe not enough because you guys keep saying that adding more relays makes it work better and like i haven't <laughs> even been able to po to make a regular post yet because that function oh, yeah. just doesn't even show up on snort for me so far so yeah do I'll, you you use iPhone or uh, Android? I use an iPhone for now. Yeah, My next phone yeah. will be an Android, but I'm I'm pretty locked into Apple. Is like with music, Apple's great for doing that. Um, and it's not that I'm against going elsewhere. It's just what I have right now. And until I buy new equipment, then I've yeah yeah I, I definitely hear that. My my wife's been. She started with iPhone after that was her first smartphone. She was a Nokia flip phone girl for a long, oh, long yeah. time. Yeah. And then she went to iPhone and that's just what she knows and what she had. And she had an iPod before that where she had all her music and she was able to bring it with. And um, I'll never get her to change. I just have to figure out how to make it work. between because <laughs> I, I, I can't deal with iPhone. I had to use one for a, a work phone for a long time and I had, I had my Android and my iPhone next to each other and it just drove me nuts. Yeah. So uh, yeah, try, my try wife... stuff. if you got your stuff set up online um, and you have your private key, try downloading Damas on your phone and just unload and, and putting your private key in there because it will, um, it'll change your view of using it. Um, okay. Just doing it. So just just doing the the mobile thing has changed like people are just banging their head against the wall and then they go and try a, a mobile client and they just seem to run so much smoother yeah i tried to get albi added to brave on my phone and it just like i didn't get anywhere basically yeah well uh oh yeah albi won't work um as an extension in brave on the mobile oh, okay. so you have to um you have to download like um we use we suggest blue wallet right and then basically there's a way okay that, so that's uh, in, why you're suggesting blue wallet because i was able yeah. to fund my albi wallet just from exodus but you guys yep. have been saying how exodus won't interface and i'm like okay well i funded it so it obviously uh, well, it won't interface that. with like noster like you right. can't use that as your funding wallet but, but no, if you have Albi, then you don't. I wouldn't think you'd necessarily need it. But if that doesn't work on the phone, then that's why you want the Blue Wallet. Yeah. Okay. Well, and all that Blue Wallet, all it does is basically it's an interface for Albi. So Blue Wallet, okay. you download it, and it, it's like import wallet, and you go into um, your Albi account. Yeah, and there's a I, QR I can you figure that it, out. And I'm sure. Then basically, yeah. you're just using the same wallet in a different place. Right. That makes sense. So that it'll make things way smoother and. From what I understand, the the mobile client, even an iPhone, is just fantastic. Like I don't, I I rarely go on a desktop version, and that's just if I happen to be on desktop and I want to share something there. Uh, other than that, it's on my phone, and it's so much better. Gotcha. Huh. Interesting. Because I've I've been really all desktop so far. Um, 
I figured it, yeah. you know, usually it's easier to do stuff on the desktop just cause I've got more space to work in. It's easier to get it set up for sure. Like we definitely, I definitely recommend setting it up. If you can muddle through and you can get it to load enough to load things up. I find it easier. Josh, Josh did a video about doing, uh, setting the whole damn thing up on his phone and it went pretty smooth. Uh, but he's got Android, so I don't know on iPhone how how right. well it how smooth it runs. Right. So. Hey, uh, so anyway, um, I'm gonna switch subjects. What got you into um, looking around at graveyards? Oh, uh, um, well, so when I was a kid, I grew up, and uh, there was a cemetery kind of behind my backyard it wasn't directly it was behind my neighbor's backyard my next door neighbor so we had a backyard and then there was a field behind ours which abutted a cemetery and there was a lot of room in there and the neighborhood kids we all kind of like played football there tag or laser tag at night shit like that um but i would always like hang out after get there early and like kind of walk around and look at the old headstones and shit and it was just i didn't even really think about it when i was a kid i just it was just what I would like waste in time. Well, a little older, my neighbor that uh, ironically, the neighbor that the cemetery was behind his house actually owned a funeral home and a furniture store. Um, they were together and he asked me when I was like 15, Hey, do you want to deliver some furniture after work, after school for a job? Yeah, why not, man? Whatever. Um, so I get a job delivering furniture with him after school. And part of that job was, was helping with the, the funeral home too. Like you had to set up chairs for funerals. You had to unload like caskets when they came in on the truck, um, stuff like that. So I was around death there a lot. Like the first time I ever actually saw a dead body, I like walked in, I had been to like funerals as a kid, but didn't really remember any, but I was like 16 and I walked in and they're like, the funeral, my neighbor and the other funeral director, like just leaning on a casket with a dead dude in it, like shooting the shit, like, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, that dude's dead. And he's like, God, I hope he is. He's been in the cooler for a while. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is okay. This is like, all right, like, this is comfortable. Um, and then, uh, you know, like walking through the embalming room and shit when there was like bodies being, um, prepared to, for, uh, for burial and shit. And, so I saw a lot of messed up stuff there that kind of was more in this weird death. Um, okay. Being okay with it. But what happened when we got on the road, we had just left and we were down in Tennessee and um, my wife had started barefoot living and barefoot walking and grounding and things. And she's like, Hey, there's a cemetery across the road from where we're staying. We're kind of in this like little neighborhood um on a empty lot and there was a cemetery she's like i want to go over and just walk around there um barefoot it's probably nicer grass than here okay i'll go with you and i walked over there and i started walking around look at the headstones and i'm like man i remember doing this when i was a kid that was kind of cool and so i started looking at the dates and i started like hunting around in the cemetery that particular cemetery for the oldest ones or ones that look cool and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I remember doing this. This was, I remember feeling like okay in the cemetery. Like it, it just like calming. And, um, and so I started like taking pictures of the headstones and posted them on social media. And I'm like, 
some got a couple likes and so then i started doing videos of them and i started putting them on tiktok and i started getting like a thousand views on a headstone video and i just started putting them out and so i get the byproduct of getting to go and, and check these places out and see these old really old like today i was actually out at one where i was looking at some from the the mid 1800s that you could still read hmm. so just like walking around wondering about like who these people were and what they were doing um not into like uh, a membership program on my web and all sorts of fun stuff yeah because now you're fixing them up and stuff so it started uh, it started I mean, as well, just taking pictures and people well, like the yeah, pictures i was taking pictures now i do i do cleaning yeah a little bit uh if i can get permission that's a whole different story uh, but yeah i'll do cleaning when i can uh, through the membership thing eventually if i get enough members and get enough cash flow there i'm going to try to siphon some off to um, try to get some fixed. Cause I see a lot of cemeteries that are just like run down and beat up and stones that like trees have fallen on them that they could easily be repaired. Um, or some that really just should be repaired because they're historic. And so try to find, um, a way to siphon off money into a fund and uh, coordinate that effort. Like once it gets to X amount of dollars, you know, I can do a project at xyz uh cemetery it needs like it needs to be cleaned up and shit so i can hire somebody to go do that or hire a mason to go out and fix a cool headstone that's that's been broken somehow right yeah that's cool so that's that that's the idea <laughs> i um since we got a dog a couple of years ago and we've started taking her for walks around town one of the best places to walk is through the graveyard um because it's it's one place where you're not walking through intersections waiting for lights and stuff um and you know since 2020 things have been pretty crazy and at some point i was listening to to a podcast and it was a particularly crude podcast and i was like "Ah, i shouldn't (laughs) i shouldn't be listening to this through the graveyard you know so i turned it off (laughs) And I started making that a habit, just like turning off the podcasts while I walked through the graveyard, make it like a more sacred thing. And then I started praying while I walked through the graveyard. And so I sort, uh, of, I sort of developed this graveyard prayer that I say for the world, just try to like, dear Lord, please save us from this evil, wrap us in your warmth and love, show us peace, beauty, joy, and mercy, shine light into the darkness. And that's it. And that, right. so now I say that all, all the time and it, not right. just in the graveyard, but every time I walk through the graveyard, I definitely say it. And it's cool. Like, I, I think that that is like what you're doing is similar because, um, it's around the graveyard. Like I, I look around and I'm thinking of all these people who, um, you know, some part of them is here, even if their spirit is long gone, you know, there's, there's, there's a thing of holiness there. And it, if there's any place to pray, it seems like a good one, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I always spend time. Uh, I stop. I was actually having this conversation with somebody today. Uh, Cause I went to the one today and I have a friend that's going through some, some shit with his dad Um some medical stuff and he's going through a rough time and 
you know, I'm not a religious guy. Um, I'm probably about the opposite of that. Um, about it just, I'm so science oriented. I'm so proof oriented and, um, I'm very spiritual, but I don't really find religion necessary right. for myself. I'm, uh, I'm sort of in the, in the same boat. Like I, I, believe anywhere that science and religion disagree one of them's got to be wrong right well, right. well I, I always looked at it and said well which religion's right because i don't want to pick the wrong one yeah <laughs> like, and, they all have really shitty consequences and a lot and of the time all... <laughs> that depends on who's representing that religion you know yeah like... yeah for sure but so i'll i'll spend time and just kind of um I'll sit down. A lot of them have benches. A lot of cemeteries have benches. Yeah. And so like just sit down and usually it's at the end after I've kind of walked around. So I'll, what I, what I do if I'm in a smaller one and, and now that we're traveling, like I only get one day where I can go and spend some time. So I'll go walk around and kind of see what I see. And then I'll kind of pick, uh, what I want to document there and I'll do that and I'll kind of take it in. If I'm going to clean something, I clean it and then I'll just stop. I'll put everything away in the truck and I'll go find a bench and I'll sit down and I kind of think about what I saw and I think about what's going on around me. Uh, most of the ones I find, I try to find them. They're in like back roads, dirt roads, um, worn down places out of the way where it's just woods basically and I just kind of meditate and and kind of zone out and be in the moment. And today, my buddy was on my mind, like, just wholly in my mind, um, because I had had a similar experience earlier um, in the fall. My dad had some medical issues, was in the in the hospital for a while and things like that. And, you know, as much as you try to, like, move things out of your head, that he was just in my head and it was okay. And I just kind of went with it. And weird enough, I got home and I shot him a message and said, dude, Hey, guess what happened today? Um, this is what's going on. And I just want to let you know about it. And it was meaningful for both of us. So yeah, mm. some good shit comes out of that today. Yeah. Today I, I, I saw a headstone that, that really caught my eye. Um, I'm really into old ones, like the older, the better. But some of the newer stuff they're doing with um, laser engravers and things like that are pretty crazy. Um, with metal, they're doing a lot of cool metal things, um, cut stone shapes, pictures. Yeah, um, and yeah I, I've I seen some color into, pictures on some headstones, yeah, which is a little weird. I, but. Pull, I pulled up into the cemetery today, and it's so it was off this back road. And then you turned up, and you went up this huge steep hill, and there was like a little parking area at the top. And the cemetery was down the grass hill, back down the, the uh -huh. alongside the hill you just drove up. And as I pull in the parking area, there's this big, dark black headstone with this huge picture of this really pretty blonde girl. Um, looked to be probably in her early 20s. I could see it from the parking lot. Like her face was just like glowing. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that out because it's like right as I walk out of my truck. So I go over and look at it and it was like, um, you could tell that she had died young. She was like 21. Um, I can, I can subtract 
years so i knew she was 21 um, but I, <laughs> good for you i didn't know i didn't know it seemed like she had died tragically like you read enough headstones yeah. you kind of get a picture of what the hell went well, on yeah if she's um, 21 and, it has to be tragic yeah, no matter well, what yeah it's but be... I, I even go further like i try to guess if it's like okay well was it suicide was it an accident right. like was it yeah. um, did she have cancer like you can tell by the things people say on the headstones really um it's weird uh but so i'm reading this one i'm like man something messed up happened um and then i walked around in the back and there was more pictures of her on the back and i was like okay yeah something really weird happened so i took videos of that one i i thought about her quite a bit and i walked around the rest of the place well i got home and i was sitting here i was waiting for my wife to finish up with work and i just kind of happened to still have because so, i do research on the cemeteries i'm going to before i go online and i still had the page open for this one and so I, I scrolled down real quick to that girl's name because it stuck in my head and I pulled up her shit. She was abducted and murdered. Holy shit. And they found part of her remains like months later. And uh, I was like, no shit. And like the dude that did it, they, I don't think they caught him. Like it was like she was seen walking into the woods with a guy in camouflage pants. Wow. <laughs> And then they found her remains, and I'm like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Like, you, I got this vibe off this thing that, like, something messed yeah, up happened. Yeah. And I had no idea who she was. I didn't, I don't look at the people in the, like, when I do the research, I'm, I'm like, look how many stones there are. I try to see if there's, like, I don't like to go to the ones that are, like, on a main street. Like, people right. look at you like you're freaking weird when you're wandering around cemetery. So the more private, the better for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got a cool one for you to go to that I'll I'll message you later after the show. Um, it's definitely off the beaten path, and it's where oh. I've got some relatives and stuff too. If you're ever in like the Philly area, there's oh, nice. a really cool nice. one. My sister's over in that direction somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't even remember the name of the town. Hughesville, Hughesville, Pennsylvania. Not quite to Philly, but uh, no, yeah, kind of... I don't even know where that is. It's like between it's like between Philly and Binghamton, New York, somewhere. That's a a pretty broad range. <laughs> well, like actually, like halfway between, I think. Okay, well, that would be that would put it closer to me, but I still don't know where it is. It, it's probably yeah. north of me somewhere. Small town, small, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I actually found one. Uh, actually, Josh, the the renegade butcher, there led me onto one when we were down in in Texas that was in the middle of a state forest. And it was just one headstone in the middle oh, of the wow. state forest. Yeah, it's off off uh, off some um, trail access road way out in the Sam Houston National Forest. It's just one headstone and then one little headstone and a fence around it. And it, it turned into some like cult, um, not cult as in like satanic cult, but like a, a cult following through geocaching. Like it, oh. somebody turned it into a geocaching site. So there is like there are trinkets everywhere around oh, this wow. thing. And so I, we drove out there one day and checked it out. And I left. Uh, so as we're traveling, we're taking uh, and doing, you ever seen like painted rocks? Yep, like yep. people paint the rocks and leave them places. Well, I'll put my name, like the lots project on it and then put our website on the back and I'll leave them places and uh, pick some up. Like we'll pick some up in Tennessee and then we'll carry them with us and like leave them in Arkansas right. or Texas. Oh, or, nice. And so, um, so I left one of those at the at the grave, I like on his headstone and shit. And uh, I got a video of it. I haven't put together a, a big long. I did some segments on it on my TikTok, but uh, 
I have some video that I should splice together because the story is crazy. Um, it's weird. Like they say, the story says that he died of a rattlesnake bat bite out in the woods there um, where he was buried and that the little headstone was the rattlesnake that killed him and this and that. Well, <laughs> yeah. So Josh, Josh started doing some research. Like I, I, I got him. I asked him some questions and like, that's all you got to do with the guy. And he like starts diving into research, but he put a bunch of numbers and dates together and, it was oddly enough the year before the Sam Houston National Forest was established. This dude died mysteriously out on what became known as Palooka Point. Um, that's this guy's name was Frank Palooka, and come to find out when he died and when he was buried there, the point that's out in the Palooka in the lake Palooka Point goes out in this lake. The lake was man-made after the after that. So ah. he's wondering if maybe old Frank Palooka didn't want to give his land to the feds um, for old Sam, Sam Houston National Forest, and they might have just maybe gave him a rattlesnake bite in the back of the head. Oh, geez. And buried him out in the, in the forest. Yeah. Um, because the forest wasn't <laughs> there either. <laughs> I guess uh, if one was to exhume that rattlesnake grave, you could find out if it was a rattlesnake or if it was a metal snake. <laughs> Yes, yes, it bit up, it jumped up and bit him real quick. But, yeah, it was like weird. The dates were lining up with like the year before, and um, there's like uh, old news or old wives' tales and shit about um, like some pretty unruly guys that worked for the feds in that time period in that area era. It was kind of like the wild, the wild, wild west, man. Like we're gonna take it, so screw you. Yeah. Oh man, I've got. Um... I think it's even come up on podcasts I've listened to. Um, Schombacher in Pennsylvania up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to his grave, and that's not yeah. that one's not far from me. It's in like the the second row of one of the churches um, within like twenty minutes of me. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, never went there at night. Didn't like do any crazy stuff around it but i did go and see it after hearing the stories of cannibalism and and all that he ran an inn on the mountain on hawk mountain Uh, okay and uh and apparently he would um turn some of his guests into food i mean that it's it is what it is i mean you gotta you you gotta gotta take the good with the bad in a person right (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was so there was a, a, a criminal a mind. There. Have you ever, you ever the Criminal Minds that TV show that uh, that would keep my wife up at night I, after I she haven't really it. watched it. No, oh, it's like it's a bunch of it's a bunch of criminal profilers that they're trying to find serial killers, and the stories are pretty messed up. And I always like myself a good messed up serial killer story, <laughs> but one one that always stuck with me was um, there was a guy that would abduct kids. And uh, then the people would go look for the kids and turns out that the guy was the guy that was always volunteering to cook the chili at the at the search parties for the kids. And they were actually eating the kid that they looked for last time. Oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty twisted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to the end and it's like. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for putting that in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, right. 
You ever um, um, come across any like hauntings or some kind of paranormal stuff with your <laughs> adventures? No, I mean, I've, I can't say that I've like, oh yeah, there's been spirits or ghosts or anything, but you know, I, there's plenty of times that I'm barefoot in the cemeteries and I'll, I'll tell you, there's a different vibe there. Like I feel different. I feel different when I'm there, especially when I'm barefoot in the cemeteries. Like there's a, a different energy there. Um, not necessarily good nor bad, just different calming, hmm. really calming. Um, there's some weird shit that, um, you know, I've stepped places and it's gotten cold on my feet. Like, yeah. just, I don't wow. know why it might be a thermal, thermal mass. It might be a spring underneath it. I don't know, but I definitely tell you that I've been walking along in front of a row of headstones and, and stopping in front of each one and kind of looking at it and stopped in places where my feet got cold. Take that's, that for what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's could be something. It, yeah, that's one of those things. Like you don't know if there's a a physical explanation for it. Or there, if there could like, have been a metal vault underneath the, the ground, two too. inches below, and it was cold that night. Like, um, I don't, I don't pretend to think that it, it's some ghost telling me, but I'm right. not going to say that it's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you notice so, something, and there's yeah. there's something to that, maybe, you know. Yeah, and I know I, I know I feel better after spending time there. Yeah, like I know I feel cool. more more um, content. I guess um, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's just the time. Uh, I other than taking pictures and videos, I don't like interact on my phone or anything because I'm using it to take the videos usually. Right. Um, and a lot of times I don't have service where I'm at. And I don't know, maybe that's it where I, where it's just switched off or I do a lot of contemplating about the people that I see the names and the years. And I, I look for patterns in the cemeteries, um, coinciding years, coinciding names, families, stuff like that. Like, like I, I call my thing, the cemetery explorers, but like, I'm not just wandering around them haphazardly. Like I, I explore the cemetery. Like I've really gotten into where I can tell what part of the cemetery start, where it started and how it progressed through the plot, um, different things like that just by being in them and, and looking at them and then researching them after the fact. That's awesome. Have you ever uh, contacted people of the families or people in the churches who own the cemeteries, that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I do. I do. Uh, quite often I'll, I'll, so usually there's a, a phone number at most cemeteries if they're still open that you can contact if you want to get buried there or somebody wants to bury you there. And, uh, <laughs> It's usually a local funeral home or a funeral director or some sort of thing like that. And uh, and usually when I ask them if I can clean a headstone, they're like, no, you can't because I can't give you permission. It belongs to the family member. Right. Well, the majority of the time I'm trying to clean something, it's from like 19, from like 1887. And I see the person, both his kids and, um, you know, his great grandkids are all buried within 10 feet of him. I don't think anybody's going to mind. Uh, especially seeing that it is, um, it's a, uh, it's an all biological cleaner that I use. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's the law. It is what it is. They don't want liability. If I screw it up, 
and there are people that don't want them clean. Like I, I understand that. So I usually try, I'm very selective. If, um, if I find someplace that it's obvious, I've actually cleaned some and had a, a former cemetery worker. Uh, he used to take care of it. He was actually just in town for something else. And he stopped by the cemetery he used to take care of and asked me what I was doing. And I was telling him and he was thanking me for doing it. So it's mixed opinions everywhere. Like right. uh, whether it's noble, whether it's uh, d- it's uh, disrespectful, like it is what it is. Like I don't damage anything. Like I, if I have any question in my mind whatsoever, if it's going to damage something like that's not why I'm doing this is the exact opposite of why I'm doing this. So, you know, but um, the other, so it was like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Now we were, uh, we were in Texas and we were stopped at a place for a week and we were on our way to where we are now. And there was a cemetery was just down the street, like literally could see it from the trailer window. Um, I would walk the dogs down to the end of the street every day. I got three St. Bernards in the trailer with me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I would walk them each individually down to the sem- past the cemetery every morning. Um, the first day we got there, I went over and I kind of scoped it out to see if there was a phone number, see if I could get some permission to clean. Um, and I walked around, (laughs) I didn't looked at anything about it or anything. It was just close enough. I would just walk down there. It took two seconds. Well, in the far back of this thing, I see this, I see a a headstone. Like I was talking about, like one of the big black, really ornate, you could tell it was newer, had some color pictures on it. And it had some benches in front of it and it had all sorts of like Christmas decorations. It looked really nice. It wasn't like tacky decorated. And I was like, oh, somebody really, somebody's definitely actively taking care of this. So I'm going to want to make sure I go see what the deal is. I'm looking at it and it was a younger girl. Um, younger than the one that from today, she, she was like 14. Um, but lots of messages from like her sisters and her parents and this and that. And I was like, another, I got a weird feeling like something weird happened here. Um, and so I didn't look it up or anything. I was going back later to, uh, later that week to, to document that one. So I was going to look at later, but the next day I was, I was walking the dogs and I saw a car parked down the cemetery. And this is like in the middle of Podunk, nowhere. Um, the church church chapel was only for funerals. Like it wasn't an active cemetery. It had mm. actually been, I think the, it had, I don't think that they had buried anybody there in a few years. And there was a car there. And I saw it when I was taking the dogs for a walk because I always like scope out to see if I can have any issues with my dogs. Yeah. And so I'm walking down this road and I see this, this vehicle. And as I'm walking by the cemetery, I see somebody standing over in the general area where that grave was. And I was like, oh, that's weird. That's that's that one I was looking at yesterday. So I walked the first dog and I kind of look both ways and see if I see could tell who it was. And then I walked the second dog by and it'd been like 15 more minutes. And this I could see the woman walking through the cemetery over to her car. And I was like, man, I really kind of want to talk to her and see if I can find out if that was her, her daughter or something. And so I go back and I get the last dog and I'm walking by and she's just getting to her vehicle and I kind of wave and you could tell she was crying and everything. And she waved, she got in her vehicle, I took the dog down past and I was walking, turned around, I was walking back to the house and she pulled out of the cemetery and turned and started driving right past me. 
And I waved and she rolled her window down and said, you have a beautiful dog. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I said, I saw you over there. Um, Is that your daughter's grave? The, the, the black one with the, the beautiful pictures on it. She's like, yeah, it is. And I was like, Oh, um, she's like, I was there changing to the Easter eggs because she really loved Easter and I hadn't, I hadn't been since Christmas to change the stuff. And I said, Oh, do you, do you mind? Like I could tell she had been really crying. Like it was blatantly obvious. I was like, do you mind telling me the story of what happened? And she's like, no, actually I, I, I will. And she told me that her daughter snuck out of the house. <laughs> she was 14 years old, snuck out of the house in the middle of the night to go see her 22 year old guy that wanted to date her oh. and ended up, um, they woke up and she's like, I woke up out of a dead sleep at like five in the morning and felt like something was wrong. So I went to check on the kids and I got to her room and she wasn't there. And so I grabbed my husband and we went out looking for her and she's like, she wasn't a bad kid or anything. And it was just like this, it had just started kind of being a troublemaker and stuff. And so they were looking for her, looking for her and they pulled into a parking lot of a Walmart. And she's like, she told her husband, I have to pull over. And she got out of the car and she just like broke down in the parking lot. And she's like, I want to go home. I want to go home. I don't want to be looking anymore. I just want to go home and wait for, for her to come home. And so her husband gets her in the car and he's like, I just want to drive down this road. I, I just want to drive down here on the way home. And she's like, oh, fine, whatever. I just want to, I want to get home. And say so they were driving down this road and the sun was coming up and they looked off and they saw a reflection in the woods and they actually found the car that their daughter and this guy and another girl were in that they had careened off the road and crashed and all died. Oh, and they were, first, they were first on the scene and she looked at me bawling and said, I felt my daughter and I felt her friend and they were both cold and I felt him and he was still warm. And the only thing that makes me okay with what's going on in my life is that motherfucker watched my daughter die. And I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I was like, that, that is pretty crazy. She's like, she was such Hold on, man. One second. Oh, no problem. I can still hear you fine. It's not, oh, okay. not getting in the way. Yeah, they, uh, they decided they wanted to bark at somebody going by. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was really crazy. She how intense. And this was probably. Oh, I'd have to go back and look at the date, but I think this was like a dozen or more years ago that this happened. Wow. And this this woman is very still distraught about it. And it was crazy to just stand there in the middle of the road and talk to her for, I don't know, it was like 15, 20 minutes to telling me the story and, and uh, yeah, basically laying it all out for a stranger that just happened to ask her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's cool that you got to be that stranger. That's uh yeah. And I did, I got her. So I got her phone number and when I get, uh, when I get the video that I did for her daughter up and uploaded and posted, I'm going to, I'm going to send it to her. I was like, do you mind if I do this? She's like, Oh no, absolutely. Please do. So I think it's a thing that people appreciate from the ones that I've talked to, um, that are actually personally connected and not just, uh, internet people that think they know everything. Cause there's right. a lot of those. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Huh. I I just heard Jim Brewer talking about his dad today and how he saw like they had a cardinal pecking on their window for exactly a year after his grand or after his father died and <clears throat> he had made um a special about taking his father on tour in his mm-hmm. old age as like his his it was kind of like giving his dad a last like a last hurrah <laughs> the farewell know? tour <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like that and um and he was taking care of him himself in the camper which i'm sure you can relate to <laughs> with yeah. the dogs and everything um and uh and he was saying how he had been like looking for some kind of sign and right then this cardinal started pecking on his window and then he was away probably doing shows or something and whoever was watching his house was like hey the the bird's gone and it had been there for exactly a year and he was like man that's like yeah that was like and and he had uh he had had some kind of moment where he was like i need to let you go dad you know like you need to move yeah. on. You're like, we're, we're done here. <laughs> there's, there's some weird stuff uh, that we've, we've got to experience that way too. Um, cardinals or that, that's always the, I've, that's the one that symbolizes uh, a, a fallen love or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Like they're supposed to carry, was it carry the spirit of um, lost loved ones or, so I've I've had a couple experiences around um, f- funerals of people who were my age at the time, like in high school. Um, there was one kid who was, I guess he was related to my girlfriend at the time. So I went to his service with her. And as they were talking, <clears throat> as the service was going on, I saw like a white owl fly by the windows of the church. Right. <laughs> Interested. When do you, and it was in the middle of the day, you know, you yeah. don't see an owl in the middle of the day fly by the, the windows of the church. And then, um, there was another one where one of my friends died in high school and he, his mom Afterwards, we were all gathered around outside and his mom was talking and there was like a butterfly fluttering around in circles, like around her as she talked about him. Huh. Yeah. Nice. So like, nice. there, there's something to like the birds and stuff. There's, I don't know, there, there, there seems to be something there. And I'm not I think, sure. I think nature knows, um, I don't know, my buddy, I was the best man in his wedding and, um, in the middle of the, the service, there was a thunderstorm and the power went out in the church and he ended up divorced like three years later. <laughs> and that's kind of nature, like set, telling you a sign, right? Yeah, I, I guess it could be right. <laughs> Other than the fact that I had told him, do, don't do it. Don't do it for like <laughs> well. months at a time. But um, the nature of that whole, that whole lightning bolt and power going out didn't really set it in. <laughs> the divorce papers did. Oh man. Yeah, no one, no one went through that and didn't think, "Oh, this isn't foreboding." <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> oh shit! 
So yeah. you guys are really into grounding. That's awesome. I ground every night. I try to. There's sometimes when it's super rainy or something like that where it's like I don't want to get all wet. But yeah. uh, I I don't do barefoot living. I especially because I do lots of mach- like factory work and chainsawing and stuff. Um, but I definitely it's something I'm into, and I do feel like it's a very peaceful and it it's helpful to do. Um, so I I don't do it for long even, but I make a point of going out every night before I go to bed. I go outside and stand in my bare feet look at the stars if they're out, just kind of like have that moment of peace and do the grounding thing. My wife got, that's how she got started in it was every morning uh, she'd go out and do it. And then she liked the way it felt on her feet. And she's like, okay, well, if this is good for me to do for 10 minutes in the morning, uh, maybe it's good for me to do more than that. And so she started kind of walking down the road barefoot, started walking the dogs barefoot, and then her feet kind of toughened up. And she liked the way she felt. She actually had a lot of shoulder issues that she had dealt with, man, the whole time I knew her, um, 15 years so far. And um, doctors would just say, oh, it's bicep tendonitis. It's from your work. It's this and that. Um, And it kind of all went away when she started grounding and barefoot living and changing her posture and changing her um, gait. And, you know, it's all related. I don't want to say it was one thing or the other, but when you make a drastic change like that, it could be any of it or all of it together. Um, But she, she kind of started doing it and probably a couple of weeks in, she threw away all her shoes except for like three pairs. And I was like, Oh, okay. You're like serious about this shit. And, uh, so I started messing around with it. I was working, like you said, like um, I was working on gas pumps at the time. So I was in work boots, steel toe work boots all day um, and couldn't wait to get home, take them off and walk the dogs or just go for a walk with her was how it started. Uh, after work, every day I'd get home, I'd take my boots off and we had a dirt road on our property that went all the way to the back. And so it was like a quarter mile, one way walk and back two ways i think it was quarter mile round trip maybe i don't remember it was a it was a decent amount so we'd walk down the road barefoot and initially i could only walk in the grass and only on like the not prickly dirt um the nice soft dirt and then i started walking more on the gravel and then i could walk with her and man she like she'll run on like gravel in her bare feet oh my gosh yeah her feet her feet really toughened up um, I struggle with it because, you know, like right now I got to walk the dogs and we're in kind of a neighborhood where I got to walk them down a road and there's glass and shit in the, in the ditches. And so I got to kind of wear boots. We bought a bunch of barefoot shoes that we were trying. Um, again, I do like property work for people and things like that. So I got to wear work boots here and there. She's very good about staying completely barefoot or being so she wears either barefoot shoes or grounding moccasins or she's barefoot. Yeah. Every day, all day. Uh, she has a pair of uh, muck boots that she has for when it's muddy. But she started, yeah, every morning. And like you, every night at minimum, um, I go out, do a walk around check of the camper and the truck and all that stuff. And then I do take a couple minutes and stand barefoot and look up at the sky and yeah, just just kind of get at peace before bed. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. I'm amazed at um what my dog can do in her bare feet. Um, she doesn't care about glass. Walk right. her around town. I'm in a college town. There's glass everywhere. Yep. And and I used to try to keep her away from it, and now I realize that she doesn't care at all. Like, it doesn't affect her. And so, like, I guess if she can build up pads that good, then I yeah, could probably Corey, build up some calluses, too. <laughs> Corey stepped on some glass before. Um, you do get pretty, pretty um, tough soles to your feet. Uh, the thing that we worry about is getting it, getting like a small piece embedded yeah, um, where you and can't not being able to get out. it out because yeah. of the callus. Right. Because you're bobbing your foot so and callous. And you might not even trying... know it's there. It just hurts and gets yep. swollen and infected and stuff. Yeah. Right. So you got to be careful. Texas was interesting. Um, the place we stayed for all winter was, um, it was a big, huge campground. Well, it wasn't a big, huge campground. It was like 27 campsites, but they were all kind of rural tent sites. And they had these paths through the whole thing that were all dropped pine needles. So I would walk Ooh. the dogs every day barefoot. I was barefoot for like four months in Texas over the winter. Dude, that's awesome. Because the winter's when it's hardest. In the summer, I get up like on a weekend morning. I'll get up and I won't put shoes on until until I have to go out into like to a store or something, you know. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah, it nice. was great. It was great, and uh, it, it would get cold. We got cold a little bit in Texas for a little while. Um, nothing like Minnesota. I think we were below freezing for like maybe seventeen hours. <laughs> but... I guess that's a nice part of not living in Minnesota anymore, right? Yeah have done it my wife would have done it over the winter um she would have just had to adjust and it would have been a lot of um moccasins yeah. and uh things like that do you guys have your own line of grounding moccasins or something like that no she just recommends um she okay. recommends one so it's like a product review more than uh yeah gotcha yeah yeah we uh she made she had a she had a TikTok for her. She would take videos of herself grounding every day and it kind of blew up and then it got banned because they said it was foot porn. <laughs> like no shit. Like one well, day she just it? went to log in. <laughs> she just went to log in and it was like gone. Oh, she, would get, she, get, she gets, uh, she gets restricted on YouTube when she would post them. Uh, the first time she posted one, it was just like, grounding day one it was just like her walk and it, it came up with adult situation um content violation or something so so they'll allow 13 year olds shaking their booty on tiktok but yeah can't show not your... my wife bare feet yeah <laughs> and it's not even she wasn't even like holding like a sausage with them or a cucumber <laughs> or anything like plant. that she's like literally dirty ass feet hasn't been washed in, in a day or two been barefoot the whole time walking down a trail and they're like uh sexually Sounds sexually suggestive sexually suggestive video like, <laughs> i guess but so could anything then <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man so she stopped that she i mean we were having fun with it and it is what it is but uh it, it bumped a lot of followers to our YouTube channel for a while, but we, it just isn't worth the 
like random one day the account just being gone to get some followers when it's just the way we live and if you want to talk about barefoot living it's all over our our page so you can just message us and whatever <laughs> yeah you know it's funny like um my wife a while a few years ago we put up these uh arched trellises with cattle panels mm-hmm. and whoever was doing the videos you guys remind me a little bit of them and i'm almost wondering if it was one of your videos <laughs> it might have been it could have been definitely could have been <laughs> there's no yeah. way to know unless yeah. i go find those videos which i'm not about well, to do but. i i run into that a lot um i run into it a lot with videos that i've watched especially i actually interviewed was interviewing a full-time RVer that i had no idea until three quarters of the way through the interview that i watched like probably 30 of her videos trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the floor in my camper. Huh? <laughs> and all of a sudden she said something and I'm like, huh? I, th- I, th- I'm pretty sure I've watched a lot of your videos, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like two and a half years before that. And I was like, I didn't know her name. Like I saw her name as what her name was. I didn't see her name. Like what I knew her channel as. Right and it was just yeah all of a sudden she said something and i'm like huh huh that sounds really familiar <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do with the floor in your camper oh ripped all the carpet out that's a good idea yeah um but we were trying to figure out what kind of flooring we wanted to put in and how to do it and we still we still messed it up we're gonna pull it out again we put um we put floating floating laminate floor in okay and um in the slides and there wasn't a good way to put a um a molding on the front edge because to use like um stair toe nose molding like that wrapped around the edge of the oh okay of the slide okay. So it just didn't really, and it, so it, it was able to shift too much. Like I wasn't able, you know, the floating floor gotcha. floats, but it yeah. only floats so far and I wasn't able to get it tight enough. So it's like kind of buckled in some places. And so mm-hmm. I got to pull something out. I might just put like, I, I looked at Corey and I said, well, what if I just pull all this out, spray paint it? And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just use the so, I mean, What is it underneath? Yeah. Metal? Plywood. Oh, okay. Uh, that's not terrible. Yeah. No, so and I can put something. We you just know what you could also do uh, is, um, especially with the dogs, get some like cheap linoleum, not even real linoleum, but whatever the vinyl flooring is. Throw yeah, that down. We, it's not hard to we, cut. We, we looked at that and we were wondering about the moisture barrier underneath the floating floor. Kind of would allow would allow that moisture to kind of get out of there. Right, um, I yeah. wasn't sure about the moisture getting locked into the plywood coming up underneath that slide. So I yeah. don't know. We're, th- so you were asking about our plans about buying a new homestead and getting set. Um, and I never got to our goal right now is uh, find that first property and make enough money to not necessarily off that property, but in, in total to be able to park this trailer there and have another smaller more nimble trailer to go adventuring and use that as a home base 
and buy other properties and try to do the same thing. Nice. Nice. Goal one is to kind of find a property and make that property number one and eventually retire this trailer there kind of permanent as a permanent home base. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, that's the MO right now. So we're kind of, we have, we put some, we put some funds to jumpstart that away when we sold the house and, and uh, we're just kind of keeping an eye out for that and waiting for the, the economy to fall apart. So I got cash that I can say, Hey, you got uh, five acres on the backside of that hundred and you could use probably five grand. Couldn't you? You're waiting for the <laughs> yeah. world to go on sale. Yeah, pretty much. You know, just sitting here. <laughs> Sitting here with my with my handful of cash, waiting for somebody to be ready to buy. <laughs> yeah, or sell, I guess. Yeah, I, I um, <laughs> I guess in a way, like locally, I'm in a good position to do that. But uh, I also worry about is inflation going to hit first? Like, where is it going to hit? Right? Like, yep. Are my dollars going to be worth more in a year or less in a year? Kind of thing, you know? Yeah. That's the yeah, and over so do doing this and planning this and launching this over a two year period, um, a lot of shit changed. A lot of shit changed from yeah. the time that we were starting to plan till the time we actually launched. And we actually we actually took off and were I had already decided we weren't coming back and we hadn't even sold our place yet. <laughs> we just we left to go down to fall SRF. And um, and we weren't going back. Yeah. We had a purchase offer, but uh, we had already had one fall through, and um, the closing date wasn't going to be till after. And yeah, we just said, "Screw it, we're uh, we're going to go for it. We're not coming back." And I talked to the realtor, who was a buddy of mine, and I said, "If we." Don't close this time. Uh, you know companies that can winterize this place, and we'll be back to deal with it if you don't sell it before spring. And we went for it. We just left. Wow. Yeah, that, that yeah. takes guts. Was, that's a big like. That's a big life move. Did you? Have, well, we 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 both said we weren't going to spend another Minnesota winter. Right. Yeah. And we would have had to come back if we didn't. If we came back from fall SRF, we would have had to come back, park the trailer, winterize the trailer, and spend until at least now. We wouldn't, we probably wouldn't have been getting out of there till right now if we hadn't have left. Right. And uh, if we went back and parked and winterized the trailer, we would have had to take the house off the market because we wouldn't have been able to get it out to leave. So it was mm. basically. The decision was either you don't get to move on with your life until who knows, maybe May or June of next year, or you just like suck your nut up and go and see what happens. And it worked out like the people, people came through and, uh, and it closed and everything was good. And yeah. we sat down and, and got that all taken care of remotely. And it was, it was, great decision yeah yeah <laughs> it's nice being be. able to e-sign things and that kind of thing now it's uh yeah that was phenomenal being being the seller in a transaction uh is so easy now like the buyer actually has to go sign some papers but as a seller yeah nothing 
Yeah, we no. we bought our house on a short sale, and we didn't meet the people who sold us the house at all because at that point it was sort of in the graces of the banks, mm-hmm. and we ended up waiting for a long time for because they had Wells Fargo for their mortgage. Therefore, because it was Wells Fargo, it took forever just mm-hmm. to push some paperwork through, and um, and yeah, we didn't meet them until we found her wedding ring buried in the garden and found them on Facebook. And we're like, Hey, we might have something of yours. <laughs> so then they nice. came and visited us at their old house. And that was kind of cool to, uh, have them back at the old house and, uh, yeah, kind of cool, kind of awkward, you know, like, but it was, yeah. I was telling you about some like weird, um, weird decisions and real estate happenings that we had had. Uh, one of ours kind of was a short sale, um we wanted to we had gotten together and we wanted to get out of the apartment and so we were looking for houses and we really couldn't afford we really couldn't afford our price range we were looking in but it was first time and blah 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 the whole deal so we found this house it was like stupid cheap it was a short sale um and there were multiple offers and we were like well this is the only thing we're seeing that's in our price range Yo, you there? Dropped off. Uh-oh. The, the deal hadn't gone through, so we pulled the offer. And we went over and looked at this other house. And we're talking to the realtor. And I'm like, well, why is it so cheap? And they're like, well, there's water damage. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's go in and take a look. It looked pretty nice. And so I go down in the basement and the basement is like all open. It was an unfinished basement. And I saw a little trail of water from like where the water meter was to the floor drain in the basement. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking all over and I see no water damage, no sign of water damage. Like none of the joists have staining on them. None of the floors, none of the walls. I'm like, I wonder if that water damage is that valve dripping over there and i went over by the water i went over by the water um meter and the valve on the the valve on the city side was dripping on the city side of the valve it was cracked and i was like all right i know enough about plumbing that all right first of all this whole basement is open so there's one bathroom and a kitchen one story so even if I have to replace every piece of copper in here, it'll take me like, you know, seven hours of sweat and pipe and it's all easily accessible. So let's give her a shot and say that it's just this valve. And I got talking to the realtor. He said, yeah, I had a guy pass, um, didn't put in an offer at 135 because he was afraid of the water damage. And we were buying it for like, what did we buy that first house? I think it was like, hundred and five or something stupid low and so i went to menards and i grabbed a i grabbed a a valve and i got there and i called the city i said hey you gotta come and shut the water off at the street they're like it's shut off for that house i said bullshit it's shut off for that house and they're like no it's shut off it's been shut off for that house it's been foreclosed (laughs) i said i said yeah but the water is coming on your side of the valve that means your valve is on and the guy's like, Oh, I'll be out there and meet you out there in a minute. So he shows up and he goes, well, that they, they had turned it off. They didn't turn it all the way off at the street. Like they didn't turn the valve all the way shut at the street when they turned off the water. 
that's why the valve cracked was because there was water and it froze over the winter. Uh, so I said, hey, do me a favor. Shut that all the way off for, for like five minutes. He's like, <laughs> all right, what do you got to do? I said, you're going to shut that off and I'm going to go turn the, I'm going to put a new valve in and then I'm going to have you turn it back on. I want to make sure it doesn't leak. If it does, then I'm going to need another couple minutes out of you to make it. So he's like, I got you. I got nothing to do this afternoon. <laughs> and so I, I, I literally ran in the house and changed the valve. And, it, and I, I, I looked at my clock because I didn't want to waste this guy's time. And it literally took me like three and a half minutes to change this yeah. valve out. I go outside. I said, hey, dude, turn the water on. He turns it on. I go in and I had the valve shut. Nothing's leaking on his side. I said, cool. I'm good because if it's leaking on my side, I can always turn it off. Right. And so I go out. I talk to the guy. I was like, hey, yeah, I'm all good. I'm good. Thanks, man. He goes, oh, cool. You got it all set. He takes off. I go in and like I said, so a couple Hail Marys and whatever you do when you when you want things to work. And I opened that valve and nothing leaked in the house. Nice. So for eight bucks and 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 it was like three and a half minutes. I saved myself like the guy would have bought it at one thirty five. I think I saved like thirty grand because they were afraid of water damage. Wow. Yeah, I was like, so, so then, yeah, we were only there a couple of years and we ended up flipping that and ended up making a decent amount out of like 50, 60 grand to put towards a farm. That's how we were able to swing into the farm with so much equity. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, it was just one valve set the whole thing on fire. Yeah, I bought my first house in 2007. Nice. Imagine, uh, imagine what happened there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had, um, Let's see, my 2002, 2007, 2006-ish was uh, my ex-wife and I bought a house. Um, and in 2008, uh, that house was foreclosed on when we got divorced. <laughs> oh, man. No, I um, I got the same price for that house that I bought it for. So that was nice, but I put a lot of money into it in the meantime. Like, I made a lot of improvements. Yeah. I, I tore down the old garage and put up a new one. And I did a little bit of remodeling in there and just like, yeah, I made, I made a lot of improvements and maintained it well and everything. And, and for all that effort, I came out like even except yeah. for, except for what I dumped into it. So I dumped like 30 grand into it and didn't get that back basically. Right. But, but I bought it when I was 23 and it was a sweet bachelor pad throughout my twenties. So, and then I got married and it was like, all right, time to get a more like, permanent real place you know it was a it was literally a bungalow on stilts so it would flood when there was rain um not into the house but under the house you know we'd we'd get water coming up under the house and uh it was fun it was such an adventure it was there's i still have dreams about that place every once in a while it was like there's something like real romantic about it it was a cool place (laughs) I mean, there's uh, the farmhouse we bought was uh, definitely a fixer upper. Um, it was a hundred years old and nothing was square, nothing was level. And on top of all the stuff we talked about earlier with uh, all the farm animals, the full time jobs, and all that, we were trying to do a house remodel. And the wife and I lived in the house with no sheetrock, only insulation in the walls in two of the rooms for. Oh, I don't know, multiple years, just as it was in process of being fixed. Um, I was redoing the wiring and all the house and 
it was so old that the wiring was daisy chained from room to room to room. So in order for me to um, pull the old wiring out of one room, I would have had to pull it out of all the rooms or I had to drop the remaining wires down into the basement and splice them together. Yeah. Well, the code inspector doesn't like shit like that. So basically it was a leave it open till all the, all the electrical was done and then get it inspected and then seal it back up. Um, we just ended up selling it as is, um, and the mortgage company of the buyer made them put sheetrock up to cover it. And they, I mean, it is what it is at yeah. this point. <laughs> yeah. No, we, our house was built in 1940 and we still have knob and tube. Um, most, oh, of, yuck. most <laughs> of the circuits are not. And one of the first projects I did was replacing that in the basement so that the insurance company would be would see mostly Romex and not knob and tube because it was like a rat's nest in the basement. And, uh, yeah, the, the knob and tube is super dangerous. There's as it is. still a couple circuits that our main lighting circuit throughout our main living floor. Um, that's still knob and tube that runs, it runs up through the walls and through the ceiling and there's no good access to it without like, we've got nice stucco walls on the inside so you can't just you can't just tear that down and replace it with drywall. It's a completely right. different texture and everything. Um, and I mean, if it's if it's up in the ceiling, it's your lighting circuit. I guess it's not that bad. You're right. not you're not drawing you're not drawing it's, a whole lot of amperage on a lighting amperage. Um, there are a bunch of lights on it as well as some fans. So there's some amperage, but yeah, it's not it's not crazy and. Um, nothing that was out of the ordinary for what they were using what it was designed for that's where people get into trouble is they're putting a microwave on a circuit with a knob and tube and the thing like what is what is this yeah (laughs) yeah and and a lot of those a lot of those come together like to go up to an outlet or something like it's all separated going through the floors or the walls but then they bring it in together to like that old fabric uh whatever they had before uh that before romex and yep and then you've got this deteriorating fabric coating on the wires that are really close to each other and that's that's where you might get into trouble (laughs) yeah there were there were plenty of times when i was ripping out that uh that old wiring that like you'd grab the wire to pull it out through the wall and it would just like crumble in your hand yeah i'm like huh interesting i mean we opened our walls so we're in minnesota we talked about the temperatures we opened our walls there was zero insulation in our walls like it wasn't it it wasn't horsehair that had like shrunk away and like it wasn't newspaper that had deteriorated and dried up and crumbled it wasn't anything there was it wasn't that the squirrels and mice had just chewed it into little balls at the bottom it was it was nothing. Wow. And uh, so I say we lived with just insulation in the walls and no drywall. Well, that was a hundred times better than the paneling and no insulation. Yeah, really. Cause we had, we had some pretty cool paneling in there when we moved in, like stuff you wouldn't be able to find ever again in the history. It had like cigar store Indians on it and things like that that just wouldn't fly in today's world. Huh. That does sound cool. And you had to rip that out? Uh, I, I I kept some of it. I, well, I don't have it now, but I did. I was going to do some projects with it. I was going to uh, 
actually frame. We had saved some wallpaper from another house we had worked on and we were saving some things from this house and we were going to make like a collage of all the old shit we found in different houses that we had. Oh, nice. That sounds but cool. That all, it all ended up in the barn and then at the point we were moving, I looked at it and I was like, ah, oh, that's cool, but... Eh, not going to take eh. it with you. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Let it go off into history where everybody wants to put it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pretty good. Like I'm it's about my bedtime too. Like um I do Yeah, wanna, you're late. I do you're wanna, even later than here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going on 9 for me and I get up early cuz I still have a job. <laughs> um I did I mean, wanna, I still get up early and I don't have a job, so <laughs> Well, you know, that's a matter of discipline then. <laughs> <laughs> or the dogs, the, the St. Bernard shoving a toy in your face at 5.15 every morning, regardless of what day of the week it is, will definitely get you up on time. Uh, so we get up at the same time. <laughs> With or without a St. Bernard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the difference. Oh. You have the job that you have to go to. I have the St. Bernard uh, that uh, has to wake me up. <laughs> my dog is lazy in the morning she doesn't want anything to do with me when i get up <laughs> oh we got one of those we have one we have well we have one that'll just sleep all the time we have one that sleeps with Corey, and we'll snuggle with her and actually she'll get out of bed he will stay in bed and then the third one he's a little special ed and at 5 15 every morning regardless he starts he starts grunting and running around the camper and grabs a toy and will shove it in your face until you acknowledge him. And then Corey and I sleep separate because I snore and do karate. So I have a bedroom <laughs> in the front of the camper and she has one in the back. And uh, so she, the, the dog will run up and jam the thing in my face and then climb up in bed with me and roll over on his back and make me rub his belly. And then we can start our day. There you go. It's, well, it's insane. It starts with love. We, we call it the Norman alarm. <laughs> so with traveling, um, does he, how does he adjust with um, different time zones and stuff? We haven't been out of central yet. We've okay. been just straight up and down. Um, we left Minnesota, went to Tennessee, stayed in Mississippi and um, then over to Texas and then back up to Tennessee. So we've only stayed in central. And when we went out to Seattle for, uh, for, for a test run, he wasn't doing that in his life. This is, this is a learned behavior from uh, us getting up to go to work at that time every day. Right. Yeah. Huh. Is he on the spectrum? So now that we don't have to go to work at that time, he, he still wants to get up. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you one more question, which was what is a tachophile? Cause I saw a pop-up on your website and it said, Oh, a tachophile is, is uh, somebody that's in this, in the cemeteries and um, old headstones and things like that. Basically me. Okay. I figured that's probably what it was, but I thought I would ask. Because it was a pop-up yeah, on your it, website. It, it doesn't have anything. It, it, it's more the the history and the architecture and the stonework 
than the death and the dying. It's not the the. Okay. It's not like you're a. Uh, of uh, uh what's the necrophiliac uh, or something like that yeah yeah you're uh you're actually into the headstones and the and the cemetery part of it not the people in the ground <laughs> yeah cool i think so uh yeah i told my my wife's uncle about um like your project that you're doing and he thought it was really cool he's into the historical grave sites and stuff like that and there's definitely yeah, I get to, uh, I, I follow a guy on TikTok that is, uh, he's a traveling mortician and he actually, he, tra- he, he intentionally travels around to famous graves and does videos. Uh, huh. Um, I don't know. That's, that's his shtick. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I was able to find something for my Thursday. Something came through on that. So um, I will definitely have you on, but I don't need it that quick. So it doesn't have to be immediate. Okay. Yeah. Um, hit me up when you want. Um, sounds good. For yeah, sure, man. I've, I've had a Appreciate busy it. week. Um, I've got, I'm going to, I'm actually going to end up doing a, uh, 20 years of the Iraq war with an Iraq vet next week. I mean, the, the, oh, wow. the anniversary already passed, has, but has that's going to be, been, what's that? Has it been 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. We just, uh, apparently we just hit the 20 year anniversary of that. Cause it was 2003. I've lost, I've lost all track of time since I stopped watching the news and events and things like that. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Well, we lost the seasons, too. That was the problem when we took off this year. Um, we didn't have winter, so I really don't know what month it is. <laughs> well, we've had an early spring here. It's April, but uh, it almost feels like May. We've we've been starting to feel some summer days, really. So um, nice. it's been kind of nice. nice, yeah. We're just uh, hoping that we don't get too much late frost that kills all the fruit and everything. Right. Yeah, that was... Uh, we could only do apples and plums. That's actually... I guess we did raspberry. We have that. we have all three of those things. Apple. We have one apple tree, one plum tree, and a whole lot of raspberries. And, uh, nice. nice. Yeah, those are the easy ones to get started. The plums we never get much from but because um, it's an old tree, and unfortunately it's not doing well, although we hope it does. Uh, the apple tree is very healthy, and as long as there's not a late frost or something, we can get like two to four hundred pounds of apples off of this one tree. And it's not even that big of a tree; it's just uh, productive, and I prune it pretty religiously. Nice. Um, and we have an apricot tree, which is like tall and spindly and old, and we get the droppings <laughs> from it. We can't we can't even get to the branches where it produces. <laughs> <laughs> Coppice that thing off and let it start again. Oh, actually, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Huh. It probably would just die. It's that bad at it this might. point. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess if it gives you some shade, it's it's worth something. No, it just, like, looms over the garden, and it's like, oh, at some point it's going to fall on the greenhouse or one of our garden beds or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there you go. You can compensate, give it a try, and then make it a mini apricot treat. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like that idea, actually. That's, uh, I'll suggest it to my wife and see what she thinks. <laughs> I don't know. The, the guy that I bought my house from lived next door to us. He grew up in it. And there was an apple tree in the front yard that was probably 25, 30 feet tall. And it would like get so heavy with apples that the branches would come and touch the ground. It was just enormous. Yeah. And I asked him, I'm like, so that's got to be like 100 years old. He's like, shit, no. He's like, my mom hated those apples in the yard. She hated them. She would like sit on the porch and watch them fall in the yard. She hated them. I came home from the army in 1972 or whatever he told me. He took a chainsaw and cut the thing to the ground in 1972. And so it was like 40 years old, 45 years old at the time. And it was that big again. He's like, it was bigger than that when he cut it down. Wow. It was so just these enormous. Did it have uh, a whole bunch apple. of multiple trunks like you'd expect? Like yep. a whole bunch of different shoots coming up in a circle kind of thing? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They had probably a half a dozen trunks. And then the main big one was just enormous. Wow. And we would have deer standing, like just eating in the front yard i used to take five gallon buckets full of apples down into the by my deer stand in the woods behind my house i'd be like i don't know how they got there <laughs> like, wow oh man yeah. that's awesome that's that's pretty cool yeah. actually that it grew back like that i've uh i've made a lot of mead out of our apple tree if you can oh, nice. yeah nice nice all right man well you have a wonderful evening yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on, Brian. No problem. You have a good night. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah, you can find all my information at thelotsproject.com. That's the lots, L-O-T-S, project.com. You can find all my podcast episodes there. I do uh, consulting on a bunch of different things. You can get a free 30-minute consultation with me that, uh, yeah, we can talk about what you want to learn or what you want to talk about, do lots of brainstorming stuff. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have a uh, membership club revolving around my cemetery exploration. I uh, find that there too. So yeah, uh, thelotsproject.com kind of has it all. And there's a, a social media find us, connect with us page too. So you can find us everywhere we are. So I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot, man. Diamonds.